Sure, thank you, Bong. So basically, apart from um, Mr. ICO, so uh, the reason why I started Mr. ICO because I love ICO a lot. Mm -hmm. So basically, I started uh, in a blockchain crypto space um, one year plus ago. It was last year, June. Right, so when the market was still good. So I bought my first ICO. It's called ETHOS. And then three months later, the my, my investment basically 20x. Wow. I was like, oh, what is this? This is crazy. I've never seen something like this before. So I cashed out a little. Mm -hmm. I still left a little bit of money inside ethos. Another three months, I went back and it got 200x. So I regretted cashing out, basically. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, that was my first experience. And then I got very, very addicted to the ICO, as in the investment side. Lah. So after that, um, I basically I participated in like 20 to 30 more ICOs. So some of them got me very good profit, but some of them I bought like during the bear market. So yeah, most of them are currently under ICO price, but still doing good at the moment. Okay, so uh, personally, I don't really do ICOs per se, but can you just walk us through like what's your ICO investment thought process like? You know, how to evaluate? Uh, what, like, what do you share with your followers? Things like that. Right, right. So maybe I go back a little, a little bit to last year. So when I was still a dupe, right, how I, how I bought ICO was I just Google, you know, you just go to Google search, right, um, best ICO of 2017, best ICO of 2018, right, then there are a lot of lists and articles for you to see. Then basically I, I opened like 10, 20 tabs, and then I record down all the ICOs that's mentioned in the articles, and then I see which one mentioned the most, and then I buy that. So... <laughs> Yeah, that was a very stupid thing to do. And please don't do that right now because you're going to lose all your money. Um, yeah, then after that, like a few months back, I, I got to know that actually um, how the ICO got the hype, right? And how it got like so-called famous and popular because of the influencers. Like um, ICO drops, cross crypto, crypto briefing, Ian Berliner, all these kind of inf so-called influencers that um, shoot the shoot, shoot the projects, the ICOs, and then I that's why I started Mister ICO because these previews and ratings can be very biased based on the influencer personal interest. So uh, apart from this kind of um hype, right, there's something that you should look at is um I would say is team. Mm. Team is very 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 important. So you need to see if um the team have worked together for the past few years. If they have worked together for the past few, past few years for other projects, then it's a very good sign. Also, if they have um, any blockchain experience. So if they don't know how to do a blockchain project, then they suddenly just started an ICO, then it may not be a very good thing to do. And um, also their experience in starting a business. Because blockchain, even though it's a technology thing, right, it's still a business at the end of the day. So if they have some entrepreneurial um, experience, then 
it makes more sense for the team to take to to take this project to the next level. So apart from team and hype, I would say uh, you know look at the token metrics. So basically, how much they are raising and how much the amount they raise constitute to the total supply. So let's say they raise one million dollar, and the one million dollar is fifty percent. So basically, their market cap is just two million dollars, which is very low. And in this case, the upside is the upside potential is very high, lah. If let's say they raise ten millions for ten percent, essentially that means the market cap is hundred million dollar. So, um, to get a hundred to double your investment, right? They basically need to go from a hundred million dollars to two hundred million dollars, compared to the two millions one, which they basically just need to go from two million to four million. So, yeah, if you compare this, then you can see how easy, um, you can see that the lower the cap, the better, lah. So also, um. I would say investors and partners. So usually, if you look at like, you know, if if you see the ICO project, there are some other investors on boards. For example, Neo Global Capital, oh, yeah. um, GBIC, um, X16Z, Polychain Capital, and things like that. Then usually you you have more confidence in the project itself, lah, because you assume the the VC. Already done the due diligence for you. Yeah, so like they know the team, they know all the all the things behind the scene. So we need to have that assumption that hey, if the VC is our investing in it, then I have no reason to not follow that. Yeah. So speaking about VC, right? Recently, I've been reading a lot about VCs and all this stuff. Like when VC invest in these like uh ICOs, right? They they don't just put in their money, but rather they also have a lot of capital and um. Connections behind behind them also, which which especially if you are you are busy that is focused on blockchain and you have like other partners also related to blockchain. If they invest in a certain blockchain project, they don't just give money; they give advice, but also they can bring together like other partners into the ecosystem. They will help the uh very ICO that they are investing in also. So VC is uh something that one should look out for when investing. But what do you think of like you see you know like these VCs are coming in? Do you think there's still space for the public to invest? You no, know, they used to say like ICO is for the public. You know, you can sidestep a VC. But now we see a trend whereby more and more VCs are just stepping in. So what are your views on that? So yes, the trend is shifting. Like right now, we can usually we if we go to one year ago or even two years ago, you can see there is no public sale, a uh, private sale. Yeah, it's exactly, all public sale. Exactly. Public sale. So basically, the public can buy hundred percent of the, of the all the, all the supply that they allocate for the public sale for the crowdfunding. Yeah. But right now, you can see, um, actually private sale or the VCs or even the seed funding, constitute to at least seventy eighty percent, leaving like ten twenty percent for the public investors, which may means like one or two million dollars. So, um, I mean, I understand why. Why the ICOs want to go into this this direction? Because, uh, if you only sell to VCs, right, mm. you only need to handle a certain amount of people, which is like twenty, thirty, mm. at most. If you have fifty investors, then fifty. Mm. If you want to do a public sale, need to handle thousands of people, which you need to do all the KYCs and everything, and then you need to keep the communities engaged. You do Telegram channel, chat mm. chat with them, and blah blah blah. No hacking and all that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot more troublesome if you do 
um, if you sell to the publics, lah. Yeah, which I understand, but I think it defeats the purpose of ICO because yeah, exactly. yeah, it's meant to offer to the retail investors to to so-called participate in the next next Google next Uber, right? Because um, if you go back to like ten years, five years ago, all these deals, big deals, is only offered to the accredited investors or yeah. VC. And the purpose of ICO is to um, overcome this issue, right? Mm. But then it, it, it's like after one one big round, we still go back to the back. To yes, correct. Again. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. But VC, um, they do bring a lot of value to our land. They can help with the list on exchange. They can provide good market makers like um, FBG, um, hash. They are very good market making. They, they can do very good market making. So usually you can quite you can ensure that your your ICO investment won't go below your ICO price. Like market making as in they will support and stable. Yeah, they will support, price. correct. So at least there's liquidity there. Like you, you, you don't need to worry that, um, let's say the price is at, you bought at $1. Mm. Let's say the price is at 0 0.8 right now. But the 0 0.8 is only a buy order of a few people. So if you want to sell all your, all your orders, right, essentially you can drop to all the way to 0 0.5. Mm. So market making, they can essentially um, make sure that you can sell at a zero point eight dollars. Yeah, things like that. But what's what's in for them? Why do they market make? I don't know. Yeah, okay, to provide liquidity and to satisfy the investors. It's not if if let's say um, all the investors they want to sell or they want to buy, right? mm. and then the price go below ICO price by a lot. Essentially, you can announce the project is dead already. True. Because if if your pro if your if your investment goes zero point one x, then everyone will just talk back about you like, oh, this this project is shit. I lose a lot of money. Don't don't, don't buy it, right? And then maybe one two months later, then the project will just it just. So market making can, um, somehow ensure that that won't happen uh, At least to measure the liquidity. Oh, I see. I see. Interesting. Okay, so uh, let's talk more about like dApps and protocol. So can you explain to us like? Dev and protocol and no things like that, so and so forth. I'm still a bit unclear on these two, actually. Right, so um, basically, there are three layers. Uh, okay. You know, uh, okay. that, which is the product, um, platform, and protocol. So basically, protocol is a set of rules, right, that govern the network itself. So usually, the in the blockchain itself, the rules include like consensus, um, Network transactions and things like that. So um, this is the base layer, and then on top of it is the platform. So platform basically they facilitate the creation of the DAP. In in blockchain case, is the token, right? So for um for example, Ethereum itself it is a protocol, right? It has their own consensus, and then it's a platform as well because it has um it allows people to create a token on top of it. So, like, uh, it has their own language, which is the Solidity. Mm -hmm. So that's the platform. Mm -hmm. And then, on top of that is the debt. Yes. So whatever debt, 80 to 90% of the debt nowadays are built on top of Ethereum. Lah. So those are the products. And Ether, the, the, the cryptocurrency itself, is at the top layer. Yeah, so uh, maybe I'll give you um, an example. Lah. Yeah, sure. So uh, assume right now there's a protocol called Singapore, mm. right? And they have a native currency is called Singapore dollar. Yes. Right? And in the Singapore itself, 
we have a shopping mall. Okay. okay. And the shopping mall has a has a has a hawker center. Let's say it's a coffee tiam lah. Okay. okay. And then inside the coffee tiam, let's say you want to buy food, you cannot use um SGD itself. Let's say for example, okay. you have to use the coffee tiam coin. Oh. You have to use the coffee tiam coin. And that coffee tiam coin is the debt. Is the DAP, DAP. Is a DAP ah, token. Right? It's a DAP token. And then the SGD is the protocol coin. Okay. So if people want to buy food or drinks in the coffee tiam, they need to have uh, yeah, they have, but before they get the copy down coin, they need to have Singapore dollar, right? Which is the protocol coin. So in this case, for example, like Ether and another DApp coin, they need to buy Ether and convert to the DApp coin in order to use the, the ecosystem, use the DApp itself. So um, for the Singapore case, they need to buy, they need to have Singapore dollar first, and then they convert the Singapore dollar to the copy down coin. And then they use the copy down coin to to buy food and drinks, right? But we have to note that um, this Kopitiam coin is totally useless outside of Kopitiam. So we cannot use the Kopitiam coin to, to Kofu and buy, cannot go to any, any place to buy. It's only useful in Kopitiam, right? And, but the Sing dollar is useful anywhere in Singapore itself. So that's the, that's the analogy of the protocol and the app. Lah. So another example is also Let's say we play games, mm. right? Play games, you have an in-game currency to buy skin and things like that. So the one is the DApp coin. You cannot use the in-game currency out and let's say you play, you play Dota. You cannot use the in-game currency of the Dota, right? And take it out and use it at a CSGO oh, yes, or yeah. um, League of Legends, things like, things like that. Okay. Yes. That's why there is um, something is called Fat Protocol Thesis. Oh, yeah, we have yeah, right? yeah. So um, in the internet era, mm. right? The protocol is like um, TCP/IP or the HTTP, but these layers they don't capture any value at all. You don't see people invest in TCP/IP or HTTP, right? Mm. Instead, people invest on the let's say the app, the applications on top of the protocol, which is like the Google's, Facebook, um, Twitter. These are the so-called applications of the protocol, and this um, this layer they actually capture the most value compared to the protocol, right? But a lot of people argue that in the blockchain or the decentralized world itself, it's this totally reverse. And so far we don't know we don't know what's the truth, but so far it's true in general. Like for example, we look at the top coins, most of them are DF coin, right? Um Bitcoin. Uh, not DF coin, oh, yeah, yeah. Most yeah. of them are protocol, yeah. right? Like DF are uh, uh, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, yeah. EOS. All of them are protocol or platforms to facilitate the creation of the token. So, yeah. So this is the thesis we have so far. That's why, um, like when people are investing, they invest in protocol itself. You don't see the VC invest in the DApp. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I remember the... like you telling me or someone told me that uh, don't do try not to invest in that, but invest yes. in protocol instead right. because you know the returns can be more from protocol and DApp is kind of limited to. The very debt itself, mm. yeah. So I guess that is what I come from because uh, protocol can build a lot of stuff on me, and the the currency like let's say ether can be used for all the debts is needed right. before right. anything else. Yeah. Um, but that being said, right, we still do not know the potential of the DM um token because if let's assume there's there's a DM, they scale to the size of Facebook, and they. And uh, and that DF have a coin called Facebook coin. That DF itself 
the token value may, may skyrocket if they scale to that level. But we do not know how things will play out. Maybe, um, maybe there's something called token velocity. Right? So if they say the token velocity is very high, then even if they scale to a trillion dollar company like Apple or Facebook or Google, the token price will still not go up. So I think this one, um, there are a lot of thesis and hypotheses going around all these, all these things, but we still don't know what's the truth about it. Um, I guess some people argue that you want the token velocity to be lower. Yes, so correct. people have to hold it up, so you appreciate value. Like, so you have like, things like staking, mm. burning, and all this stuff, which helps. Correct. Yes, yes. Uh, and let's say like utility tokens. So those, most utility tokens are actually used on dApps. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Um, no. Utility token is a lot. It's a huge category. Okay. So protocol to protocol token protocol coin is a utility token as well. Oh. Okay. Uh, the token is a utility token as well. So yeah. So also oh, it basically all... includes everything. Yeah. But but right now actually the utility most utility tokens are quite useless. Like hmm. people only take them as a as a tool to raise money. Yeah, yeah, Essentially, you don't really need uh, a customized token to use your DApp. For example, if your DApp is built on top of Ethereum, mm. the currency that is being used in your ecosystem, right, can be Ethereum itself. You don't have to um, create a, a token just for just, just for, for just for your ecosystem, just for your platform, correct? But people still do it because they need it to raise fund. So that's the truth behind it. Yeah. 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 So actually, when you own IUD tokens, you don't actually own equity. That's correct. Some people actually get confused, like oh. No, they think that they have equity if they buy into this ICO. That's not the case. But speaking of which, uh, I think the next type of topic is like STO, security tokens offering. Yes. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Like STO in general, what does it mean? And how, it, uh, how can it help like companies who are seeking to raise funds? Instead of doing ICO, they can do STO. Because if you do ICO, you're not really offering to uh, equity to people. And uh, in the long run, it might not look good on you because uh, tokens might become useless or uh, not of any value in the future. Whereas STO offers something else, you offer equity to people. Right, so um, the reason why a lot of people argue that STO is the next next wave, next big thing and things like that, right? It's because essentially ICO, the purpose is to raise money sure. by creating a useless token, yeah. right? which people won't use it at all. But for STO itself, you don't really have to create a token just for utility because it's a security token. It acts like shares. So basically, you just buy this token, buy this token or coin, whatever you call it. Um, you hold it, and then the company have they will have their own um, own own rules lah. Like for example, they will give you twenty five percent of their quarterly profit. Or mm. uh, um, you get entitled to a voting of the management team and things like that. So that's the reason why STO is better than ICO in a sense. And if you can understand um, the token, the ICO token as um, program, programmable money, right? And STO, the token itself, is a programmable ownership. So you buy this token, essentially you are like owning the company itself. You are the, one of the shareholders. Just like, it's, it's almost the same as shares we have today. Yeah, so... Um, there are a lot of advantages and benefits of STO. So first one is liquidity. I think this is the biggest 
biggest biggest reason why VCs and all the institutional company are very bullish on the on STO itself. Because okay, for example, the VCs or the angel investors, right? They yeah. invest in a, a new startup. Yeah. Usually, they need to hold um, so-called so-called shares lah of that startup that haven't IPO yet yeah. for six years, seven years before they liquidate it. And within that six years, seven years, right? 90% of startups will fail already. Mm. So, and that's the reason why liquidity is so important because they, they don't have anybody to sell to, right? The, the, the stake they have in the startup. And that's, that aside, they don't know how to sell as well, right? So if they say I, I have my own startup, um, I do my own security token. So let's say it's called Sichuan token, okay? So if you, after you have this token, right? Let's say the VC invest in me, and then maybe two years later, two years later, um, they think um, maybe I don't want to invest, I don't want to have a stake in Sichuan company anymore. I want to sell it to another VC, and if there's another VC that's willing to buy this Sichuan token, they can buy it. So this company can safely exit their position, and another company can buy, can buy my Sichuan shares. So this is the liquidity issue that STO um, want to solve now. And some of the other benefit is like um, 24-7 market. As you can see, ICO market never never close, right? It's, it's 24-7, 35 days a year. So we can trade it anytime. But for shares, um, there's a certain time like 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. After that, you cannot buy anymore. You cannot, you cannot trade anything anymore. Yeah, and also another good thing is um, you can access to a global investor base. Because STO, you can offer to anyone in the world as long as um, you comply with the rules. Like, let's, say, um, let's say you go with the regulations that, that say you can only sell your token to accredited investor. Then you can sell it to accredited investors in the whole world, any, in any country. But if you want to do that with traditional financing, it's not impossible, but this is relatively difficult. Yeah. Because you have all the regulations and all that stuff. Okay, so like, from what I heard from you, all this stuff, but I think if you like tokenize your equity, you can cut out like the lawyer's fee or the paperwork on this stuff. Because I presume like you can have your own private wallet. And if you just want to buy like a certain share of startup, you can just go to the market and buy certain tokens. Correct. Because, uh, and then, we, uh, and then uh, obviously there'll be like, you can do a research online. Because right now, like, let's say I want to buy like Twitter before IPO. I can't go to that VC and ask them whether I, uh, if I can buy some pre-IPO Twitter share or not. But whereas if there's a token, there's a market and uh, there's a price and you can own, what, you can buy whatever you want to buy. You can buy on exchange or you can just OTC with, with VC or things like that. So there are a lot of flexibility around it. And also another one that I forgot to mention just now is called fractional ownership. So for example, you want to buy a um, real estate in Singapore, you have to buy the whole building, or you have to buy the whole unit, the, the entire house itself, right? Um, and that can be a barrier of entry to many people because they do not have enough money to buy the entire unit. Let's, let's, say, let's say a building, right? I don't buy A building and B building, and it costs millions of dollars. And if you STO, is, STO the building, you have a lot of small units, like let's say it's hundred, um, it's called one million units, mm. and let's say the building is worth one million dollar, mm. so one unit is worth one dollar, mm. 
So you can buy essentially own a part of this building with just one dollar by buying one token. You don't have to buy the entire building with one million dollars. Yeah. So that is also known as a fractional ownership. Correct. So and this one can actually fraction um can have a lot of new buy sell strategy. For example, you don't you for example you want to buy a building in Bishan. Mm -hmm. You think eventually uh, in the future it will go up. And you want to sell a building in Yishun because you think Yishun maybe market is not very good. Mm. You can do that, right? You can buy hundred dollar worth. You can buy hundred dollar worth of Bishan building, and you can sell hundred dollar worth of Yishun building. Basically, it's like hedging or or buy sell strategy, correct? And I think there are more like uh, use case than like this because. I read uh, Twitter, they had seen like you tokenize the world, so maybe another use case can be like, let's say a piece of artwork. Yes. Or a diamond. Piece of diamond. And, uh, you know, okay, let's say you have a piece of diamond and then it goes around like exhibition around the world. Then like, you, you get like um, entrance fee, you know, people pay to take pictures with the diamonds and so forth. And you can, you want to own a piece of ownership of that. Yes. And you can actually do a, you know, buy a, like, let's say, this token say that, okay, yeah, actually it's an equity for that. And this, this token allows, like, many other people, like, not just high net individuals to have gain access to these markets. Mm. So I guess that's also another way to, another purpose for STO. Yeah, like, you can also, you can also tokenize the artwork, like, Mona Lisa itself. Lisa, right? Yeah. That would be uh, really interesting. So, like, what are the, okay, so, we talk about the use case, the theoretical use case. I can see it coming, but what are the you know what are businesses doing to make this happen? Like you got to build the market, you got to build like an exchange for that, so and so forth. So what are the, some of the first movers in this field for STOs? I would say the most famous one is um Polymath. Mm, okay. So uh. Disclaimer, I own some polymath token as well. <laughs> yeah, allowed to show if you own that. <laughs> yeah, so um polymath is basically a platform, it's a product itself, like it's a platform that it's like uh Ethereum for STO. So you can build your own STO, your security tokens, um by having polymath to help you with the regulations, with the KYC providers, with the legal providers, jurisdiction, investors and things like that. So it's like end-to-end -end service for your STO, right? Um, so Polymath, there are a lot more like New Fund, Desico, uh, there are like at least 20, 30 now. Okay, so I, I don't know any about Polymath, but I suppose I think it's how it will work. Like, let's say I have a, I have a huge diamond that costs like 50, it's like worth 50 million. I go to them and I say that I want to tokenize this diamond, and then so they'll just do everything for me. Uh, um, Polymath is like a marketplace. So the, they, they connect you with different parties, like uh, like you need a KYC, you, you need a legal provider to help you sort out all the jurisdiction, okay. laws and laws, rules, regulations, and they will, there's like a marketplace for you to choose from. So like let's say I want this, um, this lawyer, it's called Bong, uh -huh. right? so I, I engage him. Okay. So I'll have a, have a contract with him, mm -hmm. and then he will help me to sort out all my, like let's say I want to offer to, to to even retail investors um, in the US only. I don't want to other other countries. Then based on my my requirements and criteria, he need to um, sort out which which um, regulations I need to be combined with. For example, in US there's regulation Reg A, Reg A plus, Reg S and things like that. Then he need to settle all this for me and then I will pay him a certain, certain amount of money as, as sign a contract. 
And then I will need to engage um KYC provider. So the legal KYC provider will help me to settle all my KYCs with uh, investors in the US. So they'll submit all the documents like your passport, your IC, or related documents to the KYC provider. Then they will help to whitelist lah. And yeah, basically they, these are the steps, but the regulations part is already complicated enough. And that's why Polymath is helping to connect the companies that want to do STO and the lawyers that is um, familiar with all the lo uh, laws and regulations. Yeah. Are they, like, do they offer any products now? Polymath like have, if I'm not wrong, there are like four to five STOs coming up on the Polymath platform. Yeah. So, like, are these tokens ERC20 tokens or? Because when they offer STOs, right, they offer tokens, right? Yes, correct. So these are tokens. So this is called, Premier have their own standard, it's oh, called ST20. Oh, it's ST20. It's called ST20. Oh, so ST20, the difference is that the regulations, right, the, is baked, is coded into the token itself. Hmm, okay. So for example, um, my token can only be transferred to accredited investors. Ah, Let's say, okay. Bong, you are not a, you are a retail investor, oh. right? And Let's say they Jason. Jason is a accredited investors, and if you want to buy my token on the exchange, even on the exchange, when I want to transfer it to you, right, the transaction will fail because you are not even white listed. So, for example, Jason, he's accredited, he's white listed on the Polymer platform, so he can buy my token on the on the exchange itself. But we cannot do this with ERC twenty because ERC twenty can be bought and sold yeah, to anyone. Yes, correct. ERC uh, ST twenty can do this. They can, you can restrict who to buy, who not to, who can apply. Okay, yes, yeah. it's a very interesting. Yes. Uh, thing. I think it would be a next big thing, like this tokenization of like, assets. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, like, speaking of like, you know, uh, regulations and progress, yeah, I think like, recently we have seen a lot of stable coins, like mm -hmm. Gemini released their stable coin, mm -hmm. I know USDT, USDC, and all, all those stuff. So what are your thoughts on stable coins? Um, I don't research much about stablecoin but I don't see a need for so many stablecoins because essentially they are doing more or less the same thing like if a stablecoin is um, backed by USD we have like five at least five now and I don't see a need in that but, but why do you think like so many VCs want to invest in stablecoins like, how do they make money? I just want to make sure and do you have any opinions on like Peter like Peter. Yeah, so like, <laughs> a lot of people say Peter is a scam. Yeah, there are a lot of fuss going on. Trading at your discount now. You know, yeah, it dropped like 10, 15 percent. Yeah, yeah. It's not even one dollar to USD. Um, I think there are a lot of better options right now, like Gemini USD. Gemini, uh, yeah. another one is what it's called Exos, PAX. Um. And also, you know, like Maker, Maker Dow, Maker Dow, is it? I know that, but uh, oh, I, yeah. yeah. So I would advise don't if you want to liquidate your 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 positions, right? Don't liquidate into USDT. Liquidate in like TUSD or PEX or GUSD, USD coin. These are the more of the legit one is better since they are doing essentially the same thing. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. I'm not defending Peter. I like I don't really like talk with this fight, but. Uh, some people I was listening to the podcast and they say like, you know they have been like uh, saying that Peter is scam for such a long time, <laughs> and it's, it's still like standing up, you know, it's still not gone yet. So 
Maybe those rumors are not that true after all. Well, maybe Tita is not looking to exit scam. Yeah. But they can do other things like manipulation. So they can buy or sell Bitcoin, Ethereum with the USDT itself because they essentially have the whole control of the supply. Right. Mm. So all of this another theory lah. But yeah. I think another reason we have so many stable coins is that if one fails, at least we have some other backup. Yes, yes. So I heard like they say Binance uh, say that, you know, because these more stable coins, so that if one fails, you know, you can actually do dividend into another one. Another stable coins and so forth. So uh, that's the reason for that. Uh, so what are your views on like mass adoption? Um. Yeah. Okay, like you know, you are you are, like you do like crypto uni or the stuff. I'm pretty sure you want to make like. Tell people more about blockchain and things like that. Right. Right. So where do you see how can mass adoption come from and things like that? Mm. So mass adoption, there are a lot of solutions to it, right? Mm. Um, a lot of people says um the reason we don't have mass adoption yet is because the TPS is not high. Like Ethereum can only have ten plus to twenty TPS. Mm. It cannot be the world new internet, right? Mm. Um. So and there are a lot of projects that. <laughs> Like um, Zilliqa, Quachain, Solana, Harmony, they they are, they all are here to solve the TPS problems. But in my own opinion, I think TPS is not the problem. In a sense, like it's a chicken and egg problem, lah. Like, you want to have TPS first, or you want to have users first. Hmm, so in my opinion, we need to have users to adopt first. So my own take is. Um, the next fuel of the mass adoption will be gaming or non fungible token like ERC seven twenty one. So for example, gaming, right? Um, I think most people here play games. Yep. most people play games. They know how games work. Yeah. Most of the games have in-game currency, yeah. right? So if you can build a game on top of blockchain and have your own in-game currency, but it's a token, right? So um. Okay, so first you have to ensure the the UX UI is very very smooth. For example, the users they download the games from the App Store or the Play Store without knowing it is built on the blockchain. But after even after they start playing, they also don't know it's a game that is built on top of blockchain. I think that's the that's like the best thing you can do, which is the UX UI, um, because a lot of people there is not familiar with the wallets and exchange and things like that. It can stop them from from playing the games. So after the game is being built, then you have this token that can let people trade and buy skins and things like that. But the only difference of this token with um other in-game currency we have right now is that this token can be liquidated, and and because it's built on top of blockchain, right? Let's say it's a centralized game, you can essentially just stop the whole game, and let's say you put a thousand dollars inside to buy the skins and items, your money is all gone. But if this decentralized, no one can shut it down. This one. So second, you have the ownership of all the items and the skins that you buy. So if say you don't like this skin anymore, you can sell it on the marketplace to other people and get back the money invested, or even higher if if the item gets rarer. So, so in this case also, um, there is called non fungible token like CryptoKitties, Decentraland, things like that. Um, and all these things, um, because it has the fun element inside. And people should be more attracted to the fun element than all the serious stuff like decentralized Facebook. We don't even care about this. Yeah, we don't care about privacy, right? Yeah, yeah, we don't even 
most people don't even they, they know it's important yeah. but they don't even care about it to be honest True. at the moment True. so i think game will be the next filler for this so essentially what i'm seeing is that if like okay, let's say you have this game token then if the game shut down you can actually use this token or currency at another game if if if, if, if it is agnostic then correct yes and then like you, you actually own your skin so like maybe you can use your skin in this game and in NRG also. Or even if you cannot use it in another game, you let's say you play games game A and game B. Mm -hmm. You you buy hundred dollar worth. This skin costs hundred dollar in game A. Like, oh. So maybe after you buy this skin this year and three years later, uh, a lot of these skins right um is being destroyed already. So your skin is actually very rare now. So instead of uh, initial hundred dollar, it it may be worth thousand dollar right now. Oh. That people can use the same currency, the, the token to buy your skin. So you sell your skin and you get the token. And then you get that token and go to exchange, you exchange to Ether, oh. and then you use the Ether and buy the currency of another game and then use it to buy another skin. Yeah. So, so that's where you think the mass adoption will come from? Yes, and of course the, the aforementioned exchange card need to be streamlined as well. Yeah, yeah, so the, the best is the game itself is have an API integrated with the exchange, so you can essentially just convert your game currency one, into game. Yes, oh. you don't have to transfer to exchange and wallet and to and from. UI UX is actually very important. Right? Yeah, I don't know why, but I think uh, people think it's very complicated to set up a wallet and things like that. Correct. Yeah. Like, if you want to play this game, yeah. uh, you need to first um, download Coinbase yeah. and then have all your documents verified yeah. and. Uh, you buy, you buy ether, right? And then they charge five percent fee, and then you convert, uh, you transfer your ether to an exchange, and then from exchange you buy the token, right? And then you you transfer that token to your game's wallet, and then from the game wallet then you can do. So there's a lot of there are a lot of steps in between, correct, correct, which can essentially stop people from doing that. And all this process takes at least a week. Mm, yeah. uh, maybe they download this game. Uh, wow, I'm very excited about the play today. Mm. After they done all that, right, it's one week later, two weeks later. Queue all the jobs. Yes, correct. They don't even have the mood to play. People want it fast. People want it quick. But personally, I don't think it's hard to set up all this stuff. But it is hard. Actually. I mean, it depends on people, lah. Some some people find it fun. Some people find it very mm. troublesome. So and so forth. I actually have another theory on like mass adoption. Like after the sharing about this STO, right? I think maybe if people can see like um. People start to know about ST, STO, uh, they start to like, buy, buy like certain shares, uh, certain tokens. Uh, maybe that's where mass adoption will come in. Because as you said earlier, uh, TPS, people say there's no mass adoption because TPS is slow. Yeah, but okay, there are a lot of, actually a lot of tokens or a lot of uh, cryptocurrency trying to build like high TPS uh, protocol. But they, they, they also can't manage to attract users. It's, it's a lot of uh, chicken egg thing. But, Sometimes for this kind of thing, you really have to show people like, okay, where, what's the use case? Where is it coming from? So maybe once people see that, okay, hey, actually I can own a piece of the artwork. I can own a piece of that building. I can own a piece of that diamond. You see things like that, and maybe they, they, they will start to like, see the use case of blockchain and uh, mass option money come from there. So it's really, that's my new theory mm -hmm. for now. And uh, yeah, speaking of like, you know, TPS, uh, this topic, I was just speaking to some guy, yeah, he was just saying like, he was showing us, uh, he's a trader himself, so he knows a lot of these coins. He showed us that, okay, you see this coin is trying to hit like 1 million TPS, things like this and so forth. 
but you can build and build and build, but if no one wants to use it, no developers will be on it, it's still like useless. Exactly. Yeah. Like right now, Ethereum is the lead up because like almost all engineers are working on it. I heard like almost every engineer in Silicon Valley is working on it. So, yeah, it, it's kind of screwed up in the sense that the best product in TPS might not win at the end of the day, but this is the way it is, you know. I think the network effect is small. Yeah, the network effect is there. Ethereum has a network effect there. So, when they have users, right, they, right now they are focusing on solving their TPS problems. True. Like they, they are changing from proof of work to proof of stake. They are having a sharding and a lot of EIP coming up just to solve this issue. So, Ethereum might still survive, but um, I don't know. Do you have like, do, like, do you have other picks or? For, for like a platform itself? Yeah, yeah. Like EOS. Uh, I don't. I don't hear. So centralized. Yeah. I don't know. There's only twenty-one. Yeah, twenty-one years. And it's very easy to call you. In fact, there's a case of like Hopi and another, another party. I'm not sure. I read about it. Yeah, right. Yes. Um, my one candidate is called Harmony. So Harmony is not even out yet. They are not even doing ICO yet. So they just finished their seat seat round. So basically, they they want to scale to. Um, 10 million TBS with 0.001 millisecond latency and things like that. So uh, I've read a whole white paper and the team is top, top notch. And I think they are very, in my opinion, they are a possible candidate to, to be the, to be, to, to win in this game. Lah. But again, I'm worried about the user adoption part. Yeah. So what, what about Harmony that makes you see that they can do this game. I would say the team is the most, it's, it's the one that I'm the most bullish, bullish on. Um, and they are working, they are not just reinventing the wheel itself, they are using the current current research that's already yeah. proven to work. And they, like they use, um, what was the name? They use the 5G network, uh, they use the um, Huawei network, and um, the Google, the Amazon, they use all these and they want to tank. 10x all these current 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 innovations and make it their own. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's not ICO yet. It's not ICO. Yet. Um, uh, yeah, it's, there is like around 30 million. Already. Looking forward to it. And then uh, one last thing I want to talk about is uh, Perlin. Uh, any, any thoughts? Because I, I met the Perlin, like, what's the guy's name? Logi. I, I mean, I saw a few times at two conferences. Uh, he speaks well. Mm. Uh, he has really like passion, fire in his belly. Uh, literally. So, yeah, any thoughts about Perlin or what, what do you think about him? Perlin project is, is another top-notch project, right? Okay. Um, their, their tech is just like, <laughs> uh, there's, there's no, you can say it's close to flawless like, for their tech part, right? But um, the way they handle community is um, it's not very good. Like they would just literally just ban anyone that talk, speak back about them. And um, it, he even says that we are here to cure cancer, <laughs> which is pretty funny to me, right? Blockchain can cure yeah, cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's what they say in their Discord group, and this is quite funny. And they are not very transparent with their metrics. So the rumors, the rumors say that um, the seat round have got 10x discount. Wow. Compared to the private, uh, to the public sale, right? So in this case, 
we can, you can almost guarantee 100% the token price will dump because I don't think people will make 10x return and don't sell it yeah, in yeah, exchange, yeah. right? It's crazy. And the problem is it's unlocked, so there's no lock. And after the fund going around, and I think the Perlin team, they're aware of all this issue, and apparently they introduced lockups to the seed round and private rounds, but we are not sure, we are not 100% sure of the, the terms, what the terms are like. Now. So also a disclaimer, I'm also a private investor of Perlin. Nice. Yeah, so. Um, so this part of all these token metrics and fast, um, I still invested in it because it might, it might still, it might just be the next big thing. Can you tell us more about what Perlin is? Okay, for my own like limited experience, mm -hmm. I think it's like kind of like a um, Coin yes, correct. Everyone can contribute to the power of the network, uh, storage, or I don't know what they are trying to do. Make some calculations, I can't remember. Cloud computing. Cloud computing, right. and uh, you earn like Perlin tokens, or whatever they call it. Yeah, so, yeah, true. Yep. yes, correct. So, if you know what Falcon is, yep. or like Lozau and Sia, essentially they are the same thing. Just that the Perlin, they are using another new consensus called Avalanche. Okay. Um, I'm not that guy, so no. I cannot explain what Avalanche is. But their, their technology is really very, very, very top-notch. Mm. Right. Um, for project-wide, it's of no difference to, to Falcoin and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, the, it's the tech part that makes, makes them stand out. Yeah, they have one ICO yet? They have one ICO yet. But uh, looking forward to it. Uh, in, I mean, things are looking a bit bearish now, but I think there's still a lot of progress going on. Mm. A lot of deals behind the scenes and so forth. And uh, yeah, uh, do you have anything more there? Hmm. Uh, where, where can we find you? How can we find you? LinkedIn or Telegram? Oh, uh, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Wong Zixuan, W O N G Z I S H U A N. Or you can just PM me on Telegram. It's called Sushen. Yeah. Okay. You can just follow my follow my Mister ICO Telegram group. Yeah. Yeah. Mister ICO. Mister uh, ICO channel. Okay. Mister yeah. ICO channel. Okay. Uh, thank you, Sushen, for coming out today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.